seven, one, five. Welcome to Lights in the Sky podcast, episode 13, The Baker's Does. Ooh! <laughs> <laughs> and saving that one up for 13 episodes. Yeah. Um, I'm Luke. And uh, I'm The Baker, <laughs> aka Tony. Um, what do we normally say next? Uh, uncasual chat about casual thongs. Casual chat about uncasual things. Um, has anything paranormal happened to you in the last since the last recording one week ago um i got weeknight drunk oh really yeah just um friend came around and just had too many drinks yeah. and yeah weeknight drunk are we getting confused between abnormal and paranormal <laughs> <laughs> to be honest weeknight drunk used to be a weekly week was a weeknightly thing uh, yeah, just sort of like that was a bit of a like experience and like gave me crazy dreams and just was pretty <laughs> intense night, like weeknight drunk on like a Wednesday. So, Is that right? Yeah. And you had work the next day? And work the next day. Handled it? I handled it. I got through it. Uh, plenty of water up and down during the night for piddles because of all the water. But yeah, um, week, weeknight drunk. Interesting. What was the drink of choice? Uh, wine and mm-hmm. vodka. <laughs> Probably was the vodka. Yeah. Yep. Cool. So yes, that that was me. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Just not that. Not the uh, most comfortable uh, midweek piece. <laughs> but uh, yeah, good. Good. Uh, and can I hear more about you? Mm, yeah, nothing out of the ordinary. Was away for a couple of nights. Got back yesterday. Nothing to report. So, it just sounds fascinating. Yeah, it sounds utterly fascinating. It's the sort of stuff you'd put on a podcast and people would download and listen to, right? Yeah. And we're um, not charging them for it, are we? <laughs> no. Um, we are hopefully the loudest and clearest we've ever been. Mm. Um, last week around, I tried a bit of um, a different audio mastering method, which resulted in better clarity. The clarity then turned up that um, you could more plainly see or here <laughs> you'd more plainly hear that um tony sounded like he was in a bathroom while i was next to a microphone so we've got a different mic set up this time as well as well so hopefully it's um uh the best we've ever you're, sounded you're back to your iron i own i'm back speak. to leaning a microphone on an iron as a mic stand got a mic stand for last week's episode Which is and now I've, main yeah, stand so you're finished using um a clip-on mic um all right. Um, cool. So should I jump into a hypothetical? I've got one that I came up with today because during my travel, I wasn't feeling the most creative, but I think it's right up your alley. Okay. Um, I'm a little bit sensitive about my alley, but you know, <laughs> go for it. I will go for it. Um, all right. Here we go. If you could downsize your house to a studio apartment. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. Here we go. Here we go. Again. But had to continue paying your mortgage. As its current uh, value is. Yeah, as the current... Yeah, so um, you move into a studio apartment and and have essentially paid the same amount for that house. Is it a better location? It's the same location. How's that possible? It's not. That's why it's a hypothetical. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Is it on like a top floor, a middle floor, a lower floor? It's It's a... Okay, it's a small standalone flat... It's not, it's it's a room. You live in a room that's not conjoined to anything else and is not elevated. There's no view. Oh. You just live in a, it's a room that has, you can put a couch in it and a bed in it and there's a kitchenette and there's a bathroom with no buffer zone. Do you think a small bathroom should be called a bathroomette? Because like a small kitchen's a kitchenette. But it's the sort of thing, either you have one or you don't. Like there's either a toilet or there isn't a toilet. Moving Is there on. not? Moving on. <laughs> I didn't know I had such strong views on that. <laughs> you really straight did. Back at you. I was like, ooh, okay. <laughs> I apologize for questioning your bathroom uh, description etiquette. So you are essentially paying the same amount of money, which is is a lot is more than this box is worth. 
Um, however, by doing that, you are also providing a box of the same size to every homeless person in the world. Do you do it? You get the choice of saying, I'll have my current house, thanks. Or you can say, no, I'll pay for my current house, but there's a company willing to match and go above what you're paying. For and every homeless person. So my question here is, what are the economic ramifications of this? <laughs> this is going deep. When you think, if every, you know, if this was to be the case where a company's going to do this, like that's going to cost them a lot of money. It's going to destroy, mm-hmm. you know, they could destroy their profit margin. Mm-hmm. Uh, their shareholders will be up in arms. Oh my gosh. It's really going to. I can't believe what I'm hearing. Rip the bottom out of their. You would rather have. <clears throat> I haven't said Grumpy anything. shareholders I than end homelessness. I haven't said anything about that. I have simply said that it would shake up. So, other thing is the huge uh, dredge on supplies. So, getting mm-hmm. everybody a studio apartment like me. Yep. Can it be named after me? Can it be a Latone? Nope. Okay. <laughs> Let's just quickly want to try that Make one it out. worse. Yep. Um, so, we're getting everyone, aka, you know, a room called aka the Tone. And nope. mm, I'm pretty sure <laughs> that was signed off. Um, and. Uh, all the extra resources it will take to build that like wouldn't and wouldn't that create a huge issue with where they're going to build them the... 3d print it they're just going to 3d print it yep. it's just a thing there's no there's no issue around space there's no issue around the no, there's no, no issue around the environment <laughs> issue around space there'd be huge issue with space like think of like big cities like new york where's the space it's a hypothetical i make the rules when are you going to learn that these hypotheticals don't come back at me? <laughs> They're always on you. So I can never turn them around. <laughs> yeah, so you're in, you're essentially solving homelessness. Um, but what, what about places... Here we go. Well, think like, I don't know, like um, prisons. Those people are technically, they don't have a home. Do they have to get moved into a cell? That's but like you don't think room? of them as a homeless person. Well, they have a home, do they? Would you say you, yours in prison is your home? If I said to you, show me a homeless person... I'd point at a prisoner. <laughs> no, you would not. <laughs> what about, like, um, say, like people in, like, Africa living in, like, safari planes and, like, mm-hmm. little things like that? Like, are they all going to get, like, a, like a, a boxy house? Yes. India, people living in those slums, are they going to be able to find room for a boxy house? Yes. Where? There's room. It's my brain. It's a hypothetical. I make the rules. So, potentially... That problem is solved, essentially. What about... <laughs> Come on! <laughs> I just think, like, I think, like, this is... Like, I think in the hypothetical world, yeah, sure, it's a great idea to do this. But do you actually think... it? W- I think it would have negative implications for Whoa. the planet. I'm not saying we don't give people... <laughs> home but maybe they shouldn't have maybe if you're homeless maybe you don't need your own studio apartment oh my goodness maybe you don't need a kitchenette maybe you just have a coming from room. you who has more than a um, studio apartment but apparently isn't willing to pay the same I amount ha- okay I, i'm just a bit worried about this because i have not ever said in the course of this conversation <laughs> that i am not willing to pay, not willing to trade i just don't think that okay, the hypothetical then- takes into account some of the wide-reaching implications <laughs> that this strategy would have on mother earth you know gaia all of those have issues, you heard of gaia all of those issues solved just by me saying solved right then none of that is an issue would you give every homeless person a house? Can you just run me past the house again? <laughs> what have we got in it? Think of a motel room. Oh, I do like staying in... I'm staying in a motel tomorrow night. Think of a shitty motel room. <laughs> oh, I wouldn't stay in one of those. <laughs> yes. Okay, would you live in one? A motel unit? A shitty motel unit. What makes it shitty? You tell me. You just said you wouldn't stay in one. What's a shitty motel room to you? Pubes. <laughs> like pubes in places where there shouldn't be pubes okay let me turn the screws further you have to live <laughs> live in a <laughs> you have to live in a studio apartment there's pubes on the pillow <gasps> but it would end homelessness would you do it are they my pubes no whose pubes are they anyone else's <laughs> is it like maria the, the housekeeper's pubes whoa and you had a go at me about housekeepers last week yeah that's what i'm doing because i know you hate them <laughs> <laughs> i know you have no time for their profession 
Don't try burying me here. I'm turning the screws on you. Would you... Okay, let's... Do you know I'm literally turning a screw on the bottom of this desk right now? But I'm like... <laughs> I'm turning it around. It's a thinking screw. Yeah, it is. Okay, let's say you can have this house. I've just changed the hypothetical, alright? Because Bernie can. Yep. Uh, you can have this house, your life as it is normally, but every night when you go to bed, there's someone else's pubes on your pillow. <laughs> Would I you think, do it? I, I think of all the options, I think I'd take studio apartment in homelessness <laughs> and no pubes. Okay. I'd take the first option now. All right. Okay. Um, what if you had to live with someone else, not Ooh. of your choosing? Ooh. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, as you know, I'm, I like, I live alone. It's, it's quite... <laughs> It's the reason you pay for your house. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I mean, there's a lot of people that, like, they roll out sleeping bags and sleep outside a dairy, a shop, every night. And you're telling me, are you telling me that you would prefer they do that than you share a house with someone? I, I mean, I, I might share a house with someone, but <laughs> what's their pube situation like? <laughs> Yeah, we're, we're digging, to, digging down into a problem that didn't exist at the start of this. You have nothing. What's their pube situation? Like? <laughs> um, they, normal. What's normal? What, well, I don't actually don't know. I mean, your normal and our my normal is, but might be different. You don't find any. Are you saying you never shed a pube? <laughs> no. You I'm angelic saying, pube bastard. Like, what are you doing here? In this hypothetical, you don't find any random ass pubes on your pillow okay you just live with someone and it ends homelessness in the most utopian way what does this person do for a job irrelevant no why is that relevant are they a young professional are they like an exotic dancer are they like so now so now you're saying it depends on the job of the flatmate well wouldn't it do that what job what job would your flatmate have that would mean that you say screw it you homeless people are staying homeless cuz this person's job probably something that dealt with disgusting stuff like what what's like, disgusting to you um like something where i could get like disgusting on me <laughs> they're not doing their job at your house yeah, but they'll have they've done the job they will have been like it's disgusting things oh, if they like the uh if they emptied septic tanks yeah 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 sewage tanks so you're saying you'd rather homeless people stayed homeless because you don't want to live with someone who cleans septic tanks <laughs> <laughs> well just just like could they have a shower at work <laughs> You understand what you're saying, right? I was like, I was having lunch, like a work lunch thing down the road today. Mm. And like, they were like, oh, meet Ray. Meet Ray. Come Ray, meet. Oh, go Ray, get in here. And yeah. it was like, oh, I'm Ray. Oh, yeah, I do things. He's like, I was like, oh, I was like, I'll shake your hand. And he reached out and he's like, you know those guys that have like, their nails are always like smacked down to next to nothing. Mm. Like they've been big, pulverized like, to like just... Like a sausage hand. Yeah. yeah. It's just like the little stubby fingers and the hands are dirty and they're dirty no matter how much you clean them. Yeah. Not that I knew if Ray cleaned his hand. He reached and I was like, oh, Ray. He didn't. You shook his hand. Though. I didn't realize until I pulled it out. Because <laughs> that's what it's called. <laughs> That um, Ray had such filthy members. You didn't. You, <laughs> you didn't have your hand wasn't dirty though. I wasn't sure. It felt dirty. Yeah, so it's just your germaphobe. Yeah, but he had dirty hands. And then they were talking. Oh, what do you do, Ray? He's like, oh, I do a bit of different thing. This and that. Up on the I was up on the roof, post the earthquake. Up on the roof, securing things. And I was like, oh, you know, Ray always manages to have a toilet. There's a toilet blocked. You get Ray in. He'll unblock it for you. And I was like, brilliant. Oh, I'm just having my burrito. And your hand <laughs> Burritos right. are finger food. They are. Mm. So I, I tried to nibble at it as delicately as I could without touching Ray. Do you reckon you could eat a one? Ray offered me a chip and I was like, no thank you, Ray. 
He did say his name that many times. <laughs> I just like the name Ray. Do you reckon you could eat a one kilo burrito? Mm, I did see this thing on BuzzFeed the other day where they were eating like this massive pizza. And like 12 people and they try to eat the pizza. It's like a big, big ass pizza. The reason I ask is because I did. What? Really? Where? Yeah. America's? No. Um, Melbourne. Ah. They had... But the other day? Yeah. Oh, the other week. Yeah. They had a... There's a promotion at um, Mad Max who um, are free to contact us and sponsor us any time. Oh, no. They sound like they have psychological problems. So I, don't really, <laughs> I don't really want them on our podcast. You win a Lucha Libre I, I want to be the only one with psychological <laughs> problems. The thing is, you, they, they, they bill it as a, a giant burrito, you know, something you could easily fail or yeah. would struggle through. But when you think about it, a kilo of food is not actually that much. So no. they don't even bother weighing it. What it is, is the same size as two large burritos that they sell normally. That's not with, bad. With no sides and no drink. And yeah, it was, I was full, but by no means was it a challenge. The the hard part actually was um, they asked me if I wanted mild, medium, or hot sauce, and I chose hot because usually hot just means a little bit spicy. Yes, but apparently there it means habanero. <laughs> oh, so the hard part was um was the spiciness. I do like spicy food, but I just kind of uh, wasn't ready for it. <laughs> <laughs> the whole kilogram of it. Yeah. So the giant pizza that they had on BuzzFeed, it was it's 1.3 meters by 1.3 meters, 200 square slices. Mm. Um, looked amazing, but... That's mental. Yeah. Um, there's fun people having it. <laughs> oh, that is fun people. Look at, that, look at those fun the people. The giant Sicilian. Yeah. Guinness World Record holder. <clears throat> it's the stuff. largest deliverable pizza in the world. Deliverable? And, yep. Sheesh. Uh, it's two hundred and forty nine ninety nine for sauce and cheese, and you mm-hmm. can add each additional topping for eleven ninety nine. And I said eleven ninety nine, which is actually nineteen ninety nine. <laughs> I don't know why I said eleven because there's no ones. <laughs> there's any ones anywhere. <laughs> anyway, so uh, what, what was the question again? <laughs> um, I think we're probably at the tail end of it, but we've essentially figured out that you would live in a box to save homelessness, but you wouldn't live in a box with someone else depending on their profession <laughs> yeah and you definitely wouldn't if there was a pube on your pillow each night that's right yes <laughs> all right let's leave that there um you got a tale for me i have got a tale it's my turn to regale you of a story um spin, a subject spin or me, spin you a yarn spin me a yarn okay spin me a yarn so I'm just going to jump straight in and see if you can under see if you can guess. We seem to have fallen into a pattern which you broke last week, where you were always UFO and then I'd do ghost story, yeah, and then, and then see... you'd do UFO again and I'd do something cryptozoology, yeah, and then last week you did crypto- cryptozoology, surf and dial up to <laughs> and now I'm back, monster. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and now I'm back to doing a ghost story again. So, um, this one though, you might recognize, let me read the first sentence and then we'll, it'll potentially reveal from its maiden voyage in 1936 Mm. to its retirement in 1967, the stately embodiment of elegant travel. Any, any ideas? Some, but I don't want to say because I don't want to be made an, uh, an idiot of. <laughs> what are you trying to imply about me in the way that I treat you? No! <laughs> no! Um, the stately embodiment of elegant travel has seen life and death come and go with the tides. You there yet? Um, keep going. When she first got her sea legs... This flagship of the Cunard line was the fastest. I'm getting close to it. Yeah, was the fastest, most luxurious, and just short of being the largest ship to sail the Atlantic. Any ideas? Hold on, I just wanted to verify this. (laughs) You'll get it right. I got it right. Queen Mary. Yeah, yeah. Um, I had to double check because I didn't want to get it wrong. (laughs) My parents have been on the Queen Mary too which is built to look like the Queen Mary, but I think a bit more modern. 
<laughs> they went on a cruise. Um, the first class accommodations may have been named for a queen, but they were fit for a king. Bit sexist. And celebrities such as Clark Gable, Greta Garbo, and Winston Churchill were but a few of the A-list clientele. Here's a question for you. Is Winston Churchill a celebrity? Good point. I'd say he's a politician. Where's the line? Where is the line? Is a celebrity reserved for person in a band or actor? You know? Um, celebrity. you got to be up there if you're someone somebody would ask an autograph <clears throat> for, right? But then uh, you... Okay, so I'm back down now. Um, <laughs> celebrity is a famous person, especially in entertainment or sport, or uh, the state of being well-known. So he's not then? Oh, being well-known. Yeah, yes. so... I guess cele- celeb meaning to celebrate, right? Comes from the word celebrate. That's so a celebrated person. Yeah. Celebrity. The <laughs> example sentence here is celebrity, a famous person, especially in terminal sport. He became a sporting celebrity. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Um, well done. Well done there. They worked really hard on that one. <clears throat> the state of being famous or celebrated, a person who is famous. Yeah. Still. Brilliant. I did watch a good doco this week about Churchill dealing with Stalin oh, yeah? in World War Two, yeah. and like they only managed to finally get along when Churchill went there, hmm. and um, they got really drunk, of course, and, um, and then they like kind of got buddy buddy, and then Churchill flew back to England on like some hideous like nineteen forties bomber, which rattled and shook for like twelve hours, or flying all the way back to get around German defences uh-huh. with a. <laughs> Massive hangover. <laughs> like, oh my god, can you think of anything worse than being yeah. on that? And you're like, oh. Was it a weekday? <laughs> <laughs> I think it was, actually. <laughs> I'll jump into this. There's a bit to get through. Okay. Um, and I might jump into paraphrasing at certain points as well. Um, the Queen Mary, along with the sister ship Queen Elizabeth, was called into service during World War II. Um, uh, she was converted into a transport ship for Allied troops um, and received a stealthy new paint job that earned her the nickname The Grey Ghost. Well, I just knocked the mic. You did. That wasn't... Ew. Anyway. During the co- course of the war, she ferried over 800,000 trips to Europe, set the record for most people aboard a floating vessel at 16,683, which still stands to this day. Um, the Queen's... The Queen Mary's contribution to the war was unmistakable, but not without its share of tragedy. Um, On October of 1942, the Queen Mary was carrying 10,000 troops across the Atlantic. It was procedure for the large vessel to travel in a zigzag pattern, an evasive maneuver that lessened the likelihood of detection by German U-boats. Her escort was the HMS Curacao, I'm going to say. A much smaller, less powerful ship that provided HMS Curious Cow <laughs> yeah, that provided anti-aircraft cover for the Grey Ghost. The Curacao's engine strained to keep up with the Queen Mary, and her captain made a fateful error, running straight instead of zigzagging. The Queen Mary, humming along at a speed of 28 knots, sped towards the Curacao, which had no chance of avoiding the impending collision. Oh wow! It was literally cut in two. Due to the threat of U-boat attack, strict orders prevented the Queen Mary from stopping or attempting any sort of rescue mission. Oh my god. The screams of the dying rang across the water as the ghost continued on her journey. Um, the, the boat sunk in less than six minutes, taking all but 99 of the 338 crew with her. Um, the Queen Mary suffered minor damages compared to the complete devastation of the escort ship. Um... After the war... Is that, is that a hit and run? <laughs> like, that's like a real dick move on the Queen Mary's part. A hit and run on the high seas. Um, I was looking at pictures of the HMS Gura Gower thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Some chat. It's like construction. July 1916. So she was an old beast. Mm. Um, fate. Sunk in collision with RMS Queen Mary. Yeah. Mm. It's a true story. Um, after the war, the Grey Ghost returned to her role as a luxury ship, but the age of the airplane had arrived. Air travel gained popularity and affordability, by this, and by the 60s, the Queen Mary was operating at a loss. 
After a thousand trips carrying over 2.1 million passengers, she was retired in 1967. Um, and this is where things get interesting. Today, this has been a wonderful description of you know world at war and then the fate of the prestigious ocean lining liners that were sunk with the invention of the aeroplane and mass air travel. So mm-hmm. this is a great economics lesson so far. Thank you. Um, that's what I was going for. I thought, you know what, I'm going to choose an economics lesson that yeah. leads into a paranormal story. Oh, good, because you're two passions, <laughs> the economy, seeing as the New Zealand budget was released this week. So I and I why. tried to solve homelessness moments ago you in my did. hypothetical world. But that's more of a sort of, that's sort of a lefty thing. You went lefty with the homelessness, righty with your budget, and now you're going straight in with your um, paranormies. The Grand Ship was given a new life as a hotel, museum, and tourist attraction after being permanently docked in Long Beach, California. It was then that that staff and visitors began to report unusual sounds and ghostly apparitions in nearly every part of the ship. With at least 49 reported deaths aboard the Queen Mary, it's no wonder she plays host to so many spirits. Do you think it's about average for an old-fashioned cruise liner if 49 people die? Or... Um, it wasn't an overly... I mean, it was 1967 it was retired, and it was only, I don't know how long how long it was in um, service before the war, but 1939, so it's less than 30 years, and there's almost 50 deaths. It's a decent number. Yeah. Um, agonized screams and the sound of tearing metal have been reported in the boiler room. Um, this is where things kind of repeat themselves a little bit later on, but I'll say it anyway. Many believe these to be the spirits of the doomed men of the Curacao. Another more frightening apparition, nicknamed Half Hatch Harry, has been spotted near the watertight door, uh, near watertight door number thirteen, where an eighteen-year-old sailor was crushed and literally, literally severed in two by a thick, heavy door in which he was trapped. Eek. Another of the ship's prominent spirits is that of a young girl who plays an endless game of hide-and-seek around the empty first-class pool. Her tiny wet footprints have been reported coming out of the pool um, and around the dressing room, thought to be some kind of spiritual vortex. Um, Then there's just a little paragraph about go and visit it, etc., I'll tell you, Booking.com gives the Queen Mary a 7.5 out of 10 on its uh, scale. Not bad, not uh, bad. An 8 for location, though. <laughs> is that good or bad? <laughs> I'd give it an 8 for location. All it says is great location. Mm-hmm. 8, and then it gives it a good 7.5. Um, what lets it down? Value for money, 6.8. And free <laughs> Wi-Fi, just a 7. Considering it's from, like, 1937, it's got Wi-Fi. I'm impressed. <laughs> yeah. How did they even know back then? I know. Um, so, um, just to... We'll just give it, we'll quickly shout out to Dennis, who said, Very historic place. Nice hotel. Good value for money. Could do with better Wi-Fi. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, so, on board the ship, there's a, a very large, kind of like a ballroom, uh, first-class dining room type area. Um, contains some kind of like Gatsby looking artwork. What's and... the difference between a ballroom and a ball pit again? <laughs> One smells like wheeze and the other's the ball pit. <laughs> um, uh, the haunted reputation of this ballroom includes numerous reports of paranormal activity. Most notably, another woman in white resi- resides here, her wispy apparition seen gliding gracefully across the floor. A long white gown covering her slim form as she dances to a song heard only in the afterlife. It's a little bit airy-fairy, this um, article. It's like, so just go with it. Presumed to be the ghost of a first-class passenger from decades past, she's content to carry on her afterlife in this beautiful place, completely oblivious to the living souls around her. So obviously no interaction with the people, it's just a sighting. She's most likely a residual haunting, repeating energy loop, blissfully unaware of her surroundings, according to this source. So I can't understand what that means. Like, is that like, like it's like an, it's like, how would that function? Like, it's like an afterlife. Well, the thing is, moment that, set on repeat. Just, yeah, I mean, the idea of time is something that comes up quite regularly with ghost sightings. Um, 
time may have a relationship with physical and with gravity and all of that sort of stuff. Um, so it may be that in a in a certain realm, time is something that doesn't exist or can be controlled. Yeah. So um, it's quite common to... So that moment that existed once just repeats and repeats and repeats. Mm. Yep. Yeah. Whether with it's no, a, the will of something is another story. Yeah, with no, yeah, exactly. So it's like a, a moment in time that's stuck on repeat. Mm. Yeah. Also, that's kind of um, one of the reasons why some... Well... Some people put down that as a reason why you see ghosts of all eras. Mm. So often Victorian, um, there's stories of like a, um, maids and things wearing maid outfits in a old house. It's the idea of they're, they're being seen just still cleaning the house. You don't see many ghosts of Neanderthals though, do you? No, that's true. Yeah. Mm. I don't see many ghosts of any, to be honest. Um, <laughs> Maybe you should book a room with the Queen Mary. Yeah. Apparently it's got a good, great value. Should there be dinosaur ghosts? That's another good point. Should there be I think I've heard insect about, I've ghosts? I've heard about animal ghosts, like ghost dogs. Ghost dogs, yeah. Yeah. My, my, wife, was, my wife claimed to... I remember um, she was just watching Sensing Murder, which is a show where um, they ask psychics about... Um, uh, unsolved cases of um, you know deaths and things. Because was that parody of sniffing murder, wasn't yeah, there? there? Where was they um, the psychic murder. smelt the person's like underwear and things like that. That's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so my wife had just been watching Sensing Murder late one night. It was pitch black outside. I had already gone to bed, um, and she went to. So she was kind of freaked out. Went to close the curtains and outside saw a really old dog walk past and was completely freaked out how'd you tell it was old um the way it moved it was like a lumbering old oh, okay, dog right, yeah. yeah and um was completely freaked out and um why because she'd just seen a dog and we don't own a dog an old like, dog was it right outside your house r- literally like walked across the deck oh wow okay yeah like inside the fencing stuff it was a black dog yeah Oh, well, don't let that judge your opinion of it. <laughs> Come on now. And then um, she came and woke me up and um, was completely freaked out, was convinced she saw it. And um, I said, you know, it might be your imagination, blah, blah, blah. And said, you know, don't worry about it. And she wasn't she wasn't happy with that. She just said, I just know that I saw it and was completely convinced she'd seen this dog outside. And then um, were freaked out for a... You know, she didn't sleep very, uh, didn't get to sleep very quickly. So, you know, half an hour to an hour passes. Did you offer to go out and look for the dog? Yeah, I had a look outside and yeah. said, I can't see anything. Um, and then after, you know, still not being able to, uh, you know, went went out to the kitchen, I think, to have a look for, uh, to get a drink or something just to, um, uh, yeah, just to kind of do something, I guess. Because things were a bit unsettled and no one yeah, was happy. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So um, while I was there, noticed that um, there was a different car in the driveway. Yeah. And I looked and it was uh, my mum and dad's friend had arrived unannounced with their really old dog. Oh. And she must have opened the curtain just as, um, this because this old dog would just kind of plod along after the owner. So she must have open, opened the curtain just after the owner had walked past just to see this black old dog, just, you know, 11 o'clock at night in a pitch black, you know, um, evening. I <laughs> was completely freaked out. And I said, oh, Auntie Jenny's here. <laughs> yeah, so it was quite funny. Had Auntie Jenny arrived to show your parents her old dog and the new tricks she had taught it? Or No, because then that would be a um, made-up story, because oh, we all okay. know the rule. Deep in the belly of the Queen Mary sits the heart of the ship, the engine room. A once loud, hot, bustling place. The engine room is now a maze of silent machinery and cold metal. I'd love to go and see it. The labyrinth of steel passageways remains much as it was during the Queen Mary's sailing days. Each sound reverberates endlessly off the hard surfaces. A dull blanket of white and grey paint covers the engine room in stark contrast to the vibrant colour of the uh, rest of the ship. Few passengers ever saw this part of the ship. Only crew and staff had reason to be there. But this hidden world holds its own stories and secrets. 
mm-hmm. as this um, very dramatically written article goes on. <laughs> the most famous tale from the engine room is an 18-year-old crewman named John Petter who tried to slip through the... This is where I said it repeats itself. Right. This is, slip through the watertight door number 13 as it closed during a fire drill in 1966. It's possible he was engaged in a game of chicken with another crewman, taking turns running back and forth through the door, trying to be the last one through it before it slammed shut. Um, Either way, John uh, rather calamitously miscalculated and became jammed in the thick metal door as it closed. Um, This brings us to B-deck room B340, which is apparently probably showed up in some of the Yelp reviews you were reading. Right. Um, The most haunted room on the ship. Um, It was a third-class cabin um, and is used today by guests of the Queen Mary Hotel. These aren't the biggest nor most luxurious of the rooms, but they are comfortable nonetheless. A trip down the deck's long passageways... What was the name of the room again, sorry? B340. So room 340 on deck B. Or B deck. Um, uh, of the 12 decks on the queen mary b deck is known as the most haunted of them all one particular room takes the top prize Um, it's by far the most occupied unoccupied room on the ship queen mary has 314 state rooms eight full suites and five mini suites Uh, several of these are considered to be haunted uh, but Again, repeating myself, the most haunted is B340. Scrolling, scrolling. So just while you're you're scrolling, here's a review on TripAdvisor. Here we go. We had a great time. Terrific service. Everyone was so nice. Great ghost hunting, too. Caught a great spirit photo on the B-deck near room 340. Oh, wow. Took four photos, and one has a glowing mass coming out of photo of ship leaving New York. (laughs) He looked confused by the like, why New York? Because it's Long Beach. <laughs> yeah. We had fun on the tours. The food was great. And there was 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 smiley faces. Beautiful. Say that thing about New York again. Like, what, what, were, what was the context of that? Took four photos and one has a glowing mass coming out of photo of ship leaving New York. So it's actually oh. a photo of the ship leaving New York. Photo of the York. ship leaving yeah. New York had a glowing mass coming out of it. So I took a photo of a photo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One theory revolves around a man named Walter J. Adamson, a third-class passenger who was found dead of unknown causes in room B-226 during one of the ship's early transatlantic crossings. When the ship was remodeled, room 226 was folded into what we know as 340. Uh, One of the stories we heard told of a war bride traveling from Europe to be reunited with her American soldier husband. She was pregnant and alone at the time, leaving behind everything she knew to start a new life in the United States. Alone and scared, she was afraid to venture out of the room. The journey was long and tiresome. The woman went into labor before the ship reached the shore. Her pregnancy was fraught with complications, and without proper medical assistance or a midwife, the woman and her baby passed away. In another slightly different account, the woman who was a war bride with a newborn baby was traveling from Europe to meet the father of a child. She was con- confined to the room, unable to, or unwilling to leave the security of the tiny space. Frustrated and lonely, she spent her days fussing about the cabin and tending to the baby. Once she arrived, her dreams were shattered when her husband refused her and the child and sent them away. It's her frustrated spirit that causes poltergeist-type activity in the room, including throwing hangers and turning the faucets on and off. Ah. Mm-hmm. Um, so this review here, so... Um, <laughs> you just going through the trip advisor. We decided to do a little investigating on B-neck, B-deck near room B340. We got responses to knocks, and as we were getting ready to call it a night, we heard an elevator open and expected to see someone get out. Only it was empty. After it closed, my daughter knocked on it, and we heard a huge bang come the inside the elevator that was empty. And then um, the Queen Mary Commodore... <laughs> guest relations manager responds we do have a lot of supernatural activity aboard the queen mary and glad you and your family had some fun doing some independent investigating (laughs) brilliant um then um then this article goes on to talk about a couple of 
it features on um, a couple of Ghost Hunter episodes. Um, they took some footage of Room 340 and saw a um, blanket... Uh, what's the word they use is um, manipulated... There was a blanket manipulated in their footage. So blanket moved as, a, as if someone was moving it. Um, kind of a downer though, because they realized that there was a place in the room you could kind of stand without being caught in the footage and mess up a um, a duvet. Uh, comforter? Duvet? Comforter in the Americas. Yeah. Comforter? Okay, so... Um, these people... I think what we say here when I have a comforter that I bought for camping and it's just like it's like a duvet like a like a like a blanket but with like um, a thick blanky duvet that's all sealed up whereas our duvets would be like um, you would put a cover inside and like a cover over it mm-hmm. seal it up <laughs> this is duvet chat <laughs> duvet chat um, and one final one um, there we go. The force was manipulating it. The piece of footage was so incredible, the team immediately turned their focus to the area. After a brief, brief investigation of the room, they found it was possible for someone to hide behind a, behind a utility closet door that accessed the room from the hall and sneak in outside of camera view. A person could have reached the camera undetective, undetected, stopped it momentarily, then missed the blankets before turning the camera back on. And on reviewing the footage, they noticed that there was a um, very definite um, pausing of the footage and then oh, re-recording. guys. So, Jeez, that really sucks out the credibility. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that's where I got to on my um, shallow dive into the <coughs> Queen Mary. Um, a number of different um, ghosts on there, uh, or reportings on there, to the point where they now have ghost tours. I was about Which, to say that I've seen a few people talk about the ghost tours. Mm. So. so there's um, there's a huge amount of um, images from people who have been on those tours. Yep. Um, and, you know, the odd blurry thing here and there um, that are worth looking at. So I think I say this every time. We'll Instagram some or put some on the, um, put some on the uh, website, but usually don't. So <laughs> <laughs> You've got Google search it yourself. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah. So yeah, um, yeah, that's my story. You got any uh, got any strange lately? Oh, um, just letting you know that um, <laughs> the Queen Mary can get confusing, so bring your own map and um, bring your own map of what the, the Queen, boat, the Queen Mary. Yeah, it's like what, what, and download our map and bring it with you. It's like that's a bit weird. That is weird. Sorry. How much is a ghost tour? Um, let's have a look. Ghost and also, ticket information. Uh, parking is eighteen dollars per day, twenty two dollars per overnight, and I can't see how much the ghost tour does. <laughs> I can tell you, they could bump that up by twenty five cents and provide you with a map. They could, surely. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, if only we'd uh, been podcasters the last time we went to America, we could have done a ghost tour and um, and had less of a shallow dive. But here we are, shallow diving. That's right. Someday. Someone will sponsor us and then we can just go and do it. Maybe uh, the uh, three-star, 7.5 out of 10 rated Queen Mary Hotel. Good. (laughs) There you go. I'll do that. Um, So jumping into the next section of the show, segment of the show we call Get Me Some Strange, which is where we take the 1982 Reader's Digest Reader's Digest version hold of it up Mr. To, hold up to the microphone so you can see. <laughs> yeah, as you Wait, can that as you can work hear, that way, doesn't it? That doesn't as you can hear, way. loud and clear, Mysteries of the Unexplained, um, which is a book full of tidbits and um, sightings, titillations, tidbits and titillations from the dawn of time up until 1982. Yeah. So <laughs> um, we flick through, we find a random story. Um, in this case, Tony's going to do the flicking and the reading, and I'll do the saying stop. Stop. And then Tony's going to figure out what category we're in um, and a good story to read out. Well, hopefully good. It's been <laughs> quite hit and miss. 
What do we got? So where I stopped this, my thumb was right next to a story. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel only appropriate that we uh, that we do this one. Go for it. Um, what sort of vibe have we got? Well, we um, we were missing. I guess we were a bit upset about the fact that we'd be missing out on some UFO stuff. <laughs> You've um, landed in the UFO section <laughs> in typical Tony fashion. So you can't open your mouth on the show without talking about UFOs. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So um, and this combines another passion of mine, mm-hmm. uh, aviation. <laughs> okay. So. Here we go. Talking UFOs and now radar returns of UFOs specifically. Mm-hmm. Yep. Seven strange spots suddenly appeared on a it radar. It sounds like some sort of nursery rhyme. Seven strange spots suddenly appeared <laughs> on a radar scope at Washington National Airport, which is now Washington Reagan Airport, mm-hmm. IATA code DCA. <laughs> late, Disney California Adventure. That's right. Late Saturday evening on July 19, 1952. Unable to identify the blips, air traffic controller Edward Nugent asked his supervisor, Henry G. Barnes, to take a look-see. The following is an excerpt from the report later made by Barnsey, which he liked to be called. The things which caused Ed to call me over to the scope were seven pips, in brackets, and... are we saying blips? Blips? Mm-hmm. Clustered together irregularly in one corner. The pips, or what's again, your, what's your down the microphone. Pips, the pips, or again, parentheses, <laughs> blips, showed up as pale violet spots. The seven pips indicated <laughs> that the objects, or whatever they were, just say blips, were in the air over an area about nine miles in diameter, fifteen miles south southwest of Washington D.C. We knew immediately that a very strange situation existed. We tracked the seven pips for about <laughs> five minutes and quickly determined that they were moving between 100 and 130 miles per hour and 101 Dalmatians <laughs> while we could observe them. But their movements were completely radical compared to those of ordinary aircraft. They followed no set course, were in, not in any formation and we only seemed to be able to track them for about three miles at a time. Pips. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Barnsey indicated the Air Force to dispatch jet fighters and then continued to watch the radar screen. Scrambled? Scrambled. Yep, we scrambled them. Scrambled the jets. Scrambled the eggs and the jets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he scrambled the jets and then had a hangarin for scrambled eggs. So hey. he made some. Wow. By now, some of the incoming pilots were radioing that they could see unidentified lights in the sky. Andrew Air Force Base also began to pick up strange returns, known as PIPs, Pips. <laughs> on its radar scopes, which correlated with those at Washington National Airport. Those what? PIPs. <laughs> Ground personnel saw a bright orange... PIPs. <laughs> saw a bright orange light. A commercial airline pilot reported receiving visual images, one of which included six lights. Pips. Each correspondent, sorry, each correspondent to a radar... Blip. (laughs) Pip. (laughs) Several hours later, Barnsey's call, after Barnsey's call, jet fighters finally arrived. That's a long time. How long? Several hours. They're obviously making scrambled eggs because they like, scramble the fire. It's like, oh, but we're making scrambled eggs. Can you just track the plips? <laughs> I even said it plips. wrong now. <laughs> but they could find nothing. And by then, the strange pips were no longer <laughs> okay, on the screen. I, honestly, I don't know what's happened in this story now because all I'm doing is waiting for the next pause <laughs> and the word pips. <laughs> <laughs> but as soon as the fight is left, the radar targets again appeared on the airport screens. Both visual and coincident radar reports continued throughout the night. Exactly a week later, on July 26, a similar series of mysterious... <laughs> eggs. <laughs> pips. ...was seen on the airport's radar screen and was confirmed visually by numerous aircraft. This time, jet 
interceptors arrive quickly, but only one pilot saw anything. He attempted to close with four lights in the distance, but failed. The incident was played up in newspaper headlines across the country. One of them ran, The day the saucers visited Washington, D.C. And one of them said, Pips. <laughs> the uh, F- they'll be uh, writing movies about yeah. this in no time. <laughs> starring Will Smith. Yeah. The Air Force investigators, however, concluded that both incidents were due to mirage effects created by double temperature inversion. A conclusion denied by Dr. James E. MacDonald, a University of Arizona meteorologist, who had conducted his own investigation. Why would a mirage show up on a radar as a... <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the erratic pattern of pips <laughs> on the National Airport radar screen in Washington, D.C. on July 26, 1952, was plotted by the U.S. Air Force, and radar excerpts claim that these... Pips could not have been caused by temperature inversion, and there's a wee um, a wee picture of what the radar screen would have looked like on the page. Uh, all it is is a circle with lines, <laughs> with on lines it. and dots, and dots. Pips, pips. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that brings us to the end of another riveting episode, number thirteen. The That's baker's right. does. The baker's does. I am the baker. <laughs> All right, um, and I'm going to be making scrambled eggs for dinner. <laughs> we'll catch you next week. If you think next time you spit oh, out a go. next time you spit out a pip, <laughs> think of us. <laughs> yeah. We'll be thinking of you. Yeah, do that. All right, and on that note, we'll catch you next week. We're off, so toodaloo. We're not off next week. We're off tonight. <laughs> <laughs> We're off. We're this- off tonight into the great. No one. <laughs> yeah. Alright, on that note, well, just just when I try to end the episode, I knock the microphone. Yes. <laughs> Toodaloo.